Robots, Mr. Andy Mack. Hello. And Mr. Michael McCormack. Beep bloop. Hello. And as always, we've got my favourite, your host, Mr. Mick Clockerty. Craig, how's it going, man? Fucking so good a year to come all the way up to Glasgow just to fucking do this trip. Can't believe. Can't believe. Uh, it. <laughs> I can't oh. believe. Ah. It's like, uh, all right. Lads, I'm going to leave you to do what you do best. Talk about swapping games. Uh, and I'll see you later. Craig, fucking brand new man. Catch you. I actually see thought you. that was Stephen Gerrard for a minute. But then, that's just not the update podcast, was it? No, I think what you've got, the problem is that uh, they don't look anything alike. I don't know, Craig's off now anyway. Um, do you want to restart this podcast or what? No. 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 <laughs> Why, why would they re-record fucking Sir Craig Charles? After Craig's left? Aye, like, um, no one would ever know that yeah, he'd been here. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an audio format, so nobody knows that Craig Charles wasn't there, and obviously cut this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. um, and also, he's an Everton fan. Uh, but anyway, right. Boys, what's been happening? What you been up to this week? What you been up to the past two weeks? Because it's been a wee while since we've recorded. Oh, I've done a bit of jury duty, man. Aye. Oh shit, well, um, what you should do is break the law and tell us all the details about the case. Well, the case is actually finished now. Alright, well, fucking bring it on, motherfucker. Aye, so, uh, anybody that's done jury duty in the United Kingdom or Great Britain, Northern Ireland, will know that uh, they just go and if they get picked, they go to trial, and if not, they don't. Fuck my thought about this is a retro games podcast. No, 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 no. Aye, that's not all it is. Anyways, legal process, alright? So, aye. So it ended up that the guy ended up pleading guilty. So, so, so you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to get out of bed. We, we sat and waited and waited and waited, and they closed a few doors and opened a few doors, closed a few doors and opened a few doors, closed a few doors, opened a few doors, opened a few doors and closed a few doors. What and kind then, of what kind of criminal were we talking about? Was he trying to steal the stone of destiny? Were we talking super villain? No, or no, no. Kenny Fiddler or no, no, just your standard battered a few, um, battered a few prison guards. Uh, Mr. McCormick, what have you been up to? Um, so my um my laptop was in a kind of horrible accident. Um, laptop Lambo. It was been mostly my there for a while. Why? Yeah, and um, so like I mostly spend some of my time fanning about and making music on my uh, on my computer on my my synths, but I can't really do that. So just be playing a power of games in the meantime. Lost um, Cosmonaut. Good. Um, plug Cosmonaut. Yeah, check out my SoundClouds. <laughs> All you funky modernists out there, with your computer and your tinkery toes, go to at LostCosmonaut on Twitter.com. That's Twitter.com. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on... No, it's not on... That's not my Twitter handle, but okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a good answer, but it's not right. Yeah. Uh, that, that Roy Walker impression um, sort of compels me to point out that me and Andy have actually been out for a, a pints and sushi day. Um, Dynamite steaming. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, it was a bit. Uh, it was actually a bit embarrassing when Craig showed up. Um, I think he was expecting us to be a wee bit more professional. Um, but you know, actually, he was sound in the end. Um, he knows the score. I think he takes a bit of a hard line on being intoxicated in work because he's never ever done it himself. No, never uh, categorically. What I've been doing, and I would be remiss in my podcast and duties if I didn't bring it up. 
is that Mr. Toby Fox, uh, shout out to Toby Fox, who has been brought up on the podcast before, uh, I believe when we were going over Soleil slash yep. Crusader Ascenti, um, on Halloween night of all nights, he mm, dropped a, a sequel or a demo to a sequel of Undertale. Um, and I've got to admit, boys, I've got a big fucking hard chub on for this game already. It's, it's, it's looking incredible. Yeah, me and Mick pretty much played it as soon as it came out and I'm just quite looking forward to playing it again, even though it's only about an hour and a half long demo. It's pretty incredible. I think I, I, was, I was clocking up near three hours, man, but I think I was uh, anoraking it up and checking every fucking crevice and talking to every person, person I could. Yeah, if you go and talk to everyone and there's certain... I, well, I won't kind of spoil the, the demo too much, but there's, I didn't realise there's two ways of finishing it, and if you finish it one way, you can go back and talk to everyone, um, that you, uh, all the monsters that you've um, you refused to kill. Um, oh, so you got the heartwarming kind of we've done it, nice one, boys, and then you just walk, you just fucking got out of town. Yep, I had to. I was I was forced to by the game. Um, oh really? Yeah. Um, I, ah. I. I well, can go back and yeah, have a storm. Uh, only so if you're not familiar with, with Undertale, well, the kind of big sort of selling point of that was it's an RPG, but you can you don't have to kill anyone. The monsters are all quite um, kind of really interesting characters and friendly, and there's always a, a non-violent way to beat them. And to this, explain it to Andy, um, it's about like going to the pub in Port Glasgow. You can resolve every social interaction with violence, mm. but a lot of the time. You know, you could buy somebody a pint, you could tell them a joke, yeah. or... Um, violence is yeah. abhorrent. Yeah, well, you could use violence. Like, no, no. It's always on the table, but the game maybe alludes to the fact that that's maybe not the right way to... It's just like, in, um, just like in, in Port Glasgow, the non-violent approach can often be a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you think like, about it, Northern Irish, I mean, you think about Port Glasgow, they've been up there, Catholic Enclave, it's been a hard innings for them, so <laughs> the only thing they can do is sort of... To, to make yourself known is to show a bit of show a bit of solidarity and a bit of toughness, you know. Yeah, just like the monsters in Undertale. <laughs> just like the monsters in Undertale, the, the citizens of Port Glasgow use violence as a way of expressing themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you come from the corner. <laughs> <But> anyways, <laughs> eh, so anyways, me and Mick played a bit of Fantasy Star Online this week, didn't we? We did, yeah. Um, Views have been hitting it up here. My laptop is a crud. It's a little fucking shiter. Um, so these boys have been yeah. uh, RPGing it up in a mystical online Well, world. you say RPG, um, I would say more Diablo 2 uh, dungeon crawler. Is it not turn-based? Uh, it's not no, turn-based, not no. at all, not one bit. Oh, you know really? what? You can actually yep. only four, four um, players in any one session. So you've got... You've got online at one time? Ideally, you've got the... The guy with the sword, the guy with the magic, the guy with the shooter, and the other guy, whatever he does. <laughs> Ringo Starr. Aye, yeah. Ringo Starr. Aye. Uh, it's, it's what they describe in the online RPG world as instanced, so it's not one giant world, it's kind of you You go with three of your pals into an, an instance and then you kind of play more ah, together. So it's okay. a, bit like, the, a bit like Diablo. There three. was a moment in time where these games were kind of multiplayer at the time was a bit limited in what it could do, 56k connections couldn't really, you know, render 3D graphics and stuff like that, um, so the most popular online games were things like Age of Empires, um, and things like Diablo 2, they, they, they're the biggest communities, so Fantasy Star Online sort of took that idea and moved it to the next level, and unbelievably, 
They managed to get it working on 56 game ODMs on the Dreamcast. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, we always talk about this game, about subjectivity and nostalgia, but I think the game holds up pretty well. I'm pretty into the aesthetic and the, the music and I was, the vibe. I was kind of stuck by, struck by McCormick's uh, Manchester Star Online uh, playing experience because you, <laughs> you had started together, you were yeah. ostensibly going out uh, on an adventure together and in this new beautiful world. Um, I found it akin to you know a couple who had agreed to watch a box set together. You know me and you, Aye. honey. We're going to watch all the Breaking Bad's. No, what's wrong with that? Um, nothing's wrong with that at all. Apart from the fact that McCormick logged on one day and you were on season four. <laughs> well, do you know what actually happened there? Right, let me tell you. Right, I've, I've been listen. I'm revisiting my childhood. I've not touched PSO in years. PSO is Fancy Star Online, by the way, for people that have that call. Uh, Dreamcast is a system that's pretty close to my heart. Some of the best times I had ever gaming um, was with the Dreamcast. I'll never forget fucking freaking out in my room, man, when I finally get Sonic Adventure 2, for instance, after a whole eight months of fucking waiting. And what a horrible wait it was, what a horrible wait it was. And this is pre-YouTube, when you didn't really know what the game was going to be like. So when I actually seen it live on my telly, man, I fucking. So you were so it. fucking jonesed about Sonic Adventure One that you were. Nah, I didn't play like that. Anticipating the. I didn't play that until after I completed the second one. I had no notion of either Sonic Adventure game. Like I, for me, right, you get N sixty four. Yeah. Right, I got PS one. Nobody really had a Sega console. Nah. So Sonic for me was this thing that. PlayStation. Wee 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 PlayStation. They re-released it for the GameCube essentially. We upgraded two player functions. The reach of the Dreamcast uh, listeners was shaggers only. Right, let me get, <laughs> let me get back to PSO. Uh, okay. I was um, running about the mines, right, and and Fat Star Online, shum 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 shum, chopping things up and stuff, right. Um, and a guy appeared in my game. I can't remember his name. What was his name? Same. Could have been. Could have been. But um, I offer him a kind of choice. Can, no. You know, I, I think I think I've got. I've I've got a hunch this. Andy, you can press this button, but one person in the real world will die. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a real hunch that this guy was maybe part of the, the, the old the old guard there server. So, I was running about the mines, doing my thing, and a guy joined, and it, it, it sort of put me through my paces, took me through a few bosses, uh, let me fight on, let me fight. I, I think he was trying to make sure I was a serious player. He was grooming you. Uh, possibly I. When I found out I, I wasn't a 13 year old boy, um, it gave me a fully developed Madge. Do you know what a Madge is? You I played can only the, imagine. Have you played the any Fansters? Uh, I played, I tried to play a couple of them on the Sega Mega Drive, alluded to this in other episodes. I always thought, oh, shit, why is gold called Meseta? It's pretentious. <laughs> what, would you you say, what would you say is the thing that, that put you off Fansters as opposed to maybe a, a Square or Enix title? Final Fantasy or Chrono Trigger? Um, kind of seemed like they got tracing paper and they went over a good RPG mm. 
and then it looked all a bit funny and then they went well let's put some cat ears on this shit <laughs> um, and then yeah that was a game the one thing I carry like I just can't abide in RPGs this is this is my fault rather than theirs but like first person dungeons and kind of old dungeon crawlers like I just can't get my head around them for whatever reason my spatial awareness I don't know where I am first person dungeon oh I know what you're talking about like Shining yeah. in the Darkness yes stuff like I, that I like those on the odd occasion Um some of the old Dungeons and Dragons games um Aye, they're like that. They're fine. They're but, quite like um, that. But you're, you're into all that. You're into all that. Those are weird fortunes. Aye, shit. numbers yeah. and shit in the screen. That stuff last week when I was just about to get him and I walked in he's playing fucking Teletext Simulator or something. <laughs> I was like, ah, look at him graphics and you're like, ah, the best. Sa- was that 7 Saga? What game is that? You're sitting playing more statistics on his so screen. The thing about uh, Teletext Simulator is that <laughs> if you, you have to be powerful enough to check the cricket scores <laughs> because if you try to get a you are going to get your fuck <laughs> the, ba- the battle commands are on page 3 and if you miss yeah. them you have to wait for it to cycle all the way back and if you accidentally hit the wrong button you will get wrestling spoilers and I'll tell you Vince McMahon's going to merge WWF and WCW but you won't believe it at the time see anybody that's watched a game of football on Teletext will be able to sympathise with us didn't get any news except yellow cars, red cars and gold and that was it <laughs> you were saying what a mag is <laughs> oh right aye so anyways <laughs> A mag, right? A mag or a mag? I call it a mag. Fuck knows why. But it's basically. You can't a, say that with a twinkle in your eye. It's basically a thing, right? Okay. <laughs> right, getting into hardcore specifics. Wait, dynamite think of it as. Think of it as a power up, uh-huh. essentially. Right. Um, in Star Online, you've got your standard weapons and you've got your standard shields and your body armor and stuff like that. The mag is something separate from that. Accessory. Accessory to a certain extent, but you can power it up and it extensuates your existing attributes. You feed, corresponding it, you to feed it items and items that you don't want, um, like extra healing items or maybe yeah. swords you can't use or something, and it will start levelling up and start you gain stats up. that you, oh, you get. So that's what yeah. that uh, so, Andy had got given the sword of a thousand. Yes, bits, yes, like yeah, basically, aye, aye. Yeah. I'm, I imagine it was fucking random arse. Imagine it was random arse. Stop. And it might sound a little something like this. No, we don't do things like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and I log on and Andy has this kind of godlike oh, badge. Do you know what it was? It was the hand of a boomer. <laughs> it even sounds powerful. But um, yeah, so we, he was like, well, let's, I'll take you through the mines. My favourite level was the mines. And Andy's one shot on these robots. And I'm doing like, maybe, maybe one HP at a time. And if I get hit by one of them, I die. And Andy's like, this is great fun. I was like, this is not great fun. He's like, ah, distract him while I shoot my mage at him. And I'm distracting all these Goombas, man. And he's like, ah, whoosh, one hit point. Whoosh, two hit points. Miss. Miss. <laughs> Three hit points, yeah. and I'm just getting fed up. Going, oh, fuck it, two hundred fifty-six hit points in one fucking swoop. So I can see why you were. I cannot honestly why, but I never had the heart to like, unequip my mage, my mage, <laughs> because it would just be shite. <laughs> would it though, or would it be the game? Challenging. As it was intended, yeah. See, to be honest, man, I was on a pure power trip. I was on a pure power trip. It was seductive. seductive I was. Power. I could run through. I mean, I, when I got that paw, right. The, the claw, the boomer claw, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. Me, I yeah, was a. You said the right name. I was a. Um, a level four, right? Within three hours, I was level fucking 14. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how much I was ripping through them levels. Mm-hmm. And to take that off would just have been like going to school naked. Losing a limb. You know? I feel you. Um, I don't know why that's a weird analogy, but. 
No, I, I, I actually, I, I think in a way that made sense. Um, anybody play Red Dead Redemption Two? No. Eh, eh. Okay, well then let's get on to Dynamite Eddie. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Mr. Andy Mack, yes. why did you select the game, of all games, Super Frog for Mr. Michael McCormick? Okay, I picked Super Frog because I've knew this guy since 19 canteen, alright? Since primary three. And uh, I always associated Mick with having good platformers, right? He, it's not his favourite genre game, I know that. But any good platformer that wasn't Sonic, I tended to play at his house. I played James Pond up there, I played Zoo up there, I played, as I said, Sonic up there. You know, he had quite a few good platformers. I'm quite sure I played there for him, Jim, for the first time in your gaff as well. I think you probably did, yeah. Aye. Uh, so, anytime I want a game, make a game, I want a game a platformer. But it's pretty hard because, obviously, every platformer I've played, he's played. So I thought, right, let's get into the, the nitty gritty and find something that he's not played. So I remember I went back in the day, my uncle Scott had an Amiga and um, I think everybody knew somebody, knew somebody that knew somebody that had an Amiga. Mm-hmm. And he had two games that I used to play all the time, uh, one of them was Soccer Boy. Um, which you nearly gave. Which I nearly yeah, gave him. Yeah. Basically involves uh, a bad ST on the World Cup and you've got to go and get it back by kicking balls off. he was English and he cheated. Ah, that's right, something to do with that. But, um, I gave him the other one I liked, which was Super Frog. Reason is, it's it was my perception. I found it to be the perfect middle ground between a Mario game and a Sonic game. Would that be fair to say? Um, it does have similarities. You can tell it's definitely kind of influenced by by the two of them. I mean, he's, he, in terms of his speed and stuff and maneuverability, he's a bit like Sonic. But um, it does definitely have shades of Mario as well. It's not got the kind of physics basis of. Um, yeah, the Sonic does. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk a wee bit like about my first experience of playing this because this is to do with um, uh, obviously I'm playing on an emulator and the experience of emulating an Amiga, which I found quite interesting. Oh, uh, what I hear about this. Oh right. yeah. So get the Amiga emulator set up and you load up the game, and the first thing you see you see the disc loading screen and you hear this kind of grinding disc loading sound. Um, is that something they've added in? Well, aye, because the the hardware would have made that sound. Yeah. But the P- on the PC, it, it recreates that sound through the speakers, which right, that just right off the bat, that amazed me, because somebody has, somebody has released an emulator for the Amiga that plays Amiga games perfectly, and someone's played them and says, there's something missing, just that, <laughs> that lovely, nostalgic disc grinding sound, like, I just I just missed it. It's I like, like, I, I, like, uh, I, like I like it. I start to have an MP3 or something like that. Aye, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Where would you be if you played Metal Gear Solid with it? Start a PlayStation. I want to say Japan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah um, it's part of the experience, and I found it kind of quite interesting that they um, they emulated that as well. And also the um, the the loading times, like they didn't, they've done nothing to speed up the loading times. It loads for as long as it would load fuck. on the Amiga. And that, I mean, folk must, I guess, are quite nostalgic about loading times. They want to like, um, they want to have that experience, that the anticipation building of the game loading. The floppy disks have loading times? Um, well, it would have, yeah, you mean, they, they, they take a while to read, so you'd be reading stuff into RAM and that might take a while. They kind of did. It's like, why not for microfiche, is it not? <laughs> when I looked at Super Frog, it reminded me 
of um, I don't know if you boys ever fucked with um, pound stretcher in the town. <laughs> Definitely uh, never reminded me of that. <laughs> at, at a point where you could get floppy disk PC games in there. Um, so the old Duke Nukem's, the old pinball <clears throat> games. Um, for me, uh, Jazz Jackrabbit. So we bought the Jazz oh, Jackrabbit. Yeah. We had a Windows 95, we, we would play those. But um, these on like a wee kind of unit that spin round? No. No, right, okay. They were <laughs> kind of hidden away. I didn't mean to completely shut that down. No, no. <laughs> but um, the, um, they were kind of hidden away almost at their own point in the shop where, and it was, you know the old PC games that were big box? She had a big fucking giant yeah, cardboard yeah. box for no fucking reason. That's my understanding of a PC game yesterday. For Jazz Jack Rabbit that had like four levels or something or <laughs> whatever we bought. But yeah, it reminded me of Jazz Jack Rabbit. Um, looking at it, that was, I was just like, oh, this is this is Jazz Jack Rabbit. I played Jazz Jack, Jazz Jack Rabbit a wee bit later than that in the kind of CD-ROM era, I think. But um, I, yes, it looks, it definitely looks very similar. It's, I think it's part of that same kind of tradition of like kind of British um, not not quite indie games but they, they didn't have as big a budget as your, your Segas or that funny you mention indie games um, Super Frog would you say that has better mechanics than your average Sonic fan game for instance Um. well I think than your average Sonic fan game back in the day that I played them I would say yes but I mean indie games have come on Leaps and bounds and stuff. Yeah, you've got um, Taxman making official games now. Yeah, stuff. Ma- making Sonic games better than Sonic Team can. Um, first, yeah. earliest kind of game I thought they kind of su- surpassed the mainstream releases in terms of platform was um, was uh, Cave Story, um, and that kind of plays beautifully. One of the kind of best platformers I've ever played, um, and it's the, that was an, an indie release back before indie was was such a big thing. It was um, just a game. It was just a game at the time. Well, it? I mean, it was it, it was an indie game, but that was the first experience I thought indie games can actually be really good and better than some of the classics. Um, so, is there anything about Super Frog that sort of? What is it that stands out about the game that that makes it shout? This is a budget title, as opposed to like you would see in Mario or Sonic. Um, I mean. <laughs> So like there's there's some good things and some bad things. I was going to go on a bit of a longer run up to this because I didn't want to um, disappoint anyone. You saying that it was the, the, didn't want to shit on it too much. <laughs> but um, but well, on the on the kind of plus side, I really love the kind of um, the the sort of Britishness of it, the sort of British humour. Um, you've got a wee kind of funny intro cutscene where you see the the princess hang, uh, prince hanging out with the princess and then an evil witch. Turns him into a frog. Original. He's got a. He's just. It was just kind of fun wee animation. He's got. Um. You can see him posing with his cape, and he doesn't look that impressive. And he looks off camera, and then you see somebody behind the camera. He's like, oh shit! He turns a fan on, and then the fan starts blowing his cape behind him, and it looks all cool. Um. But oh, the reason that frog turns into super frog is um. He drinks a bottle of Lucasid. Um, oh. Is it an actual branded? Uh, yeah. Do you, oh, okay. Because you could see at the start, you could see at the start of the um, the game it says like a promotional consider. No, it doesn't say promotional consideration. It says like you say it's a, tra- a trademark of whatever. But ah, wait up, other sugary drinks are available. <laughs> but the thing is, right? I I tried to look this up. I don't think they were sponsored by Lucasid. I just think they really liked Lucasid and they asked for permission to Maybe use the brand. Lucas Arts and they got it mixed up. <laughs> I think. Like, it's almost an inverse of British TV, which if you look at the BBC, which was staunchly anti-product placement, any game I had as a kid that was British-made, English-made, or whatever you want to call it, 
seem to have fucking a lot of product placement. Like fucking, I had games sponsored by Penguin Biscuits. And remember <laughs> we looked at that one the other week, the James Pond uh, un- right. Undersea Games or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. That The whole thing was sponsored by... Uh, I think that was the Biscuits, wasn't it? That, oh, that, aye, aye, yeah, Penguin. Penguin Biscuits, aye. yeah. Yeah, and uh, Zoo, you had, um, I think Zoo was British, you had uh, Chubba Chups, the first level That's was, right. was yeah. uh, sweetie-themed. That's right. Really um, makes you want a, a, a lollipop, big yeah. time. I think, I think Super Frog had legit product placement for Lucasade in it. Right. I'm not sure, I mean, Team 17 weren't a very big operation. Um, but, but yes, yeah, like. Until they made fucking worms. Yeah, they blew up massively and they made worms. Yeah. But they were kind of the sort of uh, darlings of the Amiga no. scene with their alien breed games and stuff like that. But in terms of um, the things that I thought made it seem a bit, a bit budget, um, I don't think it controls all that well, which is really quite heartbreaking because that kind of kind of throws the rest of the things into uh, into disarray. Like I think it's it's quite kind of Super Frog obviously is a frog. You can jump really high, um, but it's not it's not got that thing which I think Sonic does, and I think the early Mario does, where the longer you hold in the button, you higher you jump. I don't think Super Frog does that, so he always jumps really high, which means makes it quite hard to control sometimes. And like especially in the later levels, there's a lot of quite um, sort of narrow corridors and stuff so trying to jump over an, an enemy in a narrow corridor with a really high jump is like really difficult how's the bosses there is only one boss yes there's only one boss at the, at the last stage of the last level um, and it's a did you play it did I did not get that far but there's a there's level select and I kind ah. of skipped around um, the, yeah the last boss um, is the witch and you can beat the witch in seconds because she just kind of floats around uh, one platform shoots at you don't think she shoots at you I think she just floats around you hit her you die and then she jumps over to the other ones you just need to jump about the platformers and hit her with your wee your wee ball thing your wee I can't mind this, I think he's got a name he's a sidekick of some kind and that's like Super Frog's projectile attack yes it is um, and that as well Like the, in terms of controls like there's there's two power options you can get you can get the projectile and you can get a pair of wings that like you kind of float alongside your jump um, unlike Mario, you don't see that you have these, so you can kind of forget whether or not you have them at points, which is annoying. And uh, uh, the Wii projectile is quite, uh, it, it kind of comes out like, a, a, I guess a yo-yo, it kind of goes, goes out in a direction and comes back, but it's not very satisfying to use, and like the baddies, when you hit them, don't give much indication that you've actually done anything to, to damage them. So, yeah, I found that quite um, quite annoying. It's It's got kind of physics, like... Uh, it's a little bit like Sonic in terms of like he, he is quite fast he can run up and down hills and stuff but it's got a wee bit a wee bit too fast for me a wee bit too slidey for some of the precision platforming can I can I fling a hardball question at you of course you can Andy Mack of course you can son right Super Frog mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. nostalgic attachment mm-hmm. or is this fuck I've played <clears throat> Every Mega Drive game McCormick has played. Pretty much. And I'm reaching for something out with. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because well there is a, a large catalogue of Mega Drive games out there. I mean in this town anyway, there's maybe only fucking maybe forty or fifty that were out there in the wild that you would see very often. So I mix played mostly what I have. Now and I did emulation into the equation as well. I fucking blew your minds when we were twelve. Played everything. I am um... So it's hard to fucking find a game that he's not played you know I don't know anyone uh, that had an Amiga growing up because it was um, you, you said you had an uncle that had one like yeah. I kind of imagine it was maybe folk 
they were a bit older and maybe had a few bottles that could afford an Amiga. But it wasn't the, the infamous now uh, Uncle Shinobi. Nah, nah, <laughs> I, he died, uh, apparently, he was 12 years old and Michael Jackson got a hold of him, well, it was recording the soundtrack to Sonic 3, but that's another story I'm not getting into. The rest is history. <laughs> um, what, one of the things that, um, again, talking about kind of em- emulating this game, so the Amiga, um, I think, was maybe the start of the whole um, sort of cracking scene, you know, like kind of um, cracking the copy protection on games, so... You had your kind of you had crews that would like crack these games and like it was always a kind of race for you could to get the prestige of who could like crack the new version of the latest version of copper protection. It would kind of show up your your hacking skills and they would put like little um, like what, introductions on. Uh, they would kind of put those on and onto their copies of the game, which is like this game's cracked by whatever crew like um, shout giving shout outs to all their, their pals and like um, leak kind of leak hackers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they would have like we, we kind of cool like maybe animations and stuff like that, and like um, little uh, little intros, and they would kind of compete to you know who would, um, who can make the the flashiest intros as well as who could crack the most difficult games, and that kind of came that became its own scene as well. And was the, the demo scene, um, and the demo scene in the Amiga was kind of a it an outgrowth of the kind of these cool little intros. They would basically. Push the hardware to its limit and try and come up with these cool sequences that showed like unusual uh, graphical effects and kind of things that um, kind of the Amiga maybe couldn't um, couldn't do that easily. They would kind of show off their, their programming skills and um, make all these interesting animations and stuff and cool music and that as well. And they, that became a scene even apart from the whole. Am I am I right in thinking that Amiga was somewhere between um, home consoles and a PC somewhere in between that? Um, and yeah, that, I think that's fair to say. It was a bit more PC, yeah. It, it was um, it was aye. maybe Commodore, so it was kind of. Uh, that's right. It was the next step for the sixty-four, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Aye. Um, what about the music, man? This is just what I was going to say. Is the the resident uh, music master. Uh, Did you enjoy the music? Cool tunes, Did you enjoy uh, the sounds? How does Super Frog stack up? Um, the the tunes are all right in Super Frog. Um, they're not they're not that great. Um, the first the first. Levels tune annoyed me because right so the Amiga's uh, soundtrack is like kind of sample based and it samples a, a, a kind of frog ribbit sound. Can you give us an example? Wee, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes a wee tune out of a, a kind of ribbiting Does frog. It go, in the rain or in the snow, <laughs> got the funky flow. Yeah, I wish it had part of the rapper soundtrack. Um, oh yeah, listen, that might be a wee future man for the both of you. So. Eat my fucking dick, man. I fucking <laughs> I have played Parappa the Rapper to supremacy that you can't even comprehend, boy. <laughs> I can get you rapping cool on every level. Right, listen. This guy's getting Bib Ribbon one day. <laughs> Mate, I played Bib Ribbon as well. Me and Mick got steaming and listened to Bib Ribbon tunes. If you're not careful, you'll be, get, <laughs> you'll be getting fucking... You'll be getting pop star creator. Right? You're not careful. Right, pop star creator, I'm going to hold my hands up and say... I don't know that one, so come at me, bro. I think um, we. Tune in next week. Come on again, no, I'm all again. <laughs> I think we were listening to the Vibra and saying. I've got a much better one for you, man. 6 a.m. I've got a good one for you. After the first podcast was recorded. This week, I've got a good one for you. Right, so, Mr. McCormick. Um, I'm doing this thing where I'm calling you Mr. McCormick and Mr. Andy Mack. Uh, I'm fine with that. Is, that. is that okay? Does that sound a wee bit. Um, <laughs> Listen, man, just call me in. I don't, I don't know if that's, that's your thing. I, I, no, listen, man. I'm we need to add some sort of professionalism to uh, this. It's solely lacking. Call me whatever you want. I mean, fucking, obviously, you see me, you know who I'm all. 
but if you want to label me, go ahead. Mr. Dickhead, I'm going to ask Mr. McCormick for his final target. You know what? <laughs> You're lucky. I like you. You're a cunt. <laughs> Mr. McCormick, final thoughts on... Mr. Superfrog. Right, I didn't think I had very long uh, to talk about this, but I've, um, I didn't think I've, sorry, I didn't think I've been very much to talk about, but I've, um, yeah, I've missed quite a few things. I wanted to mention my favourite thing about Superfrog, which is the bonus stage. Um, the bonus stage is a puggy. It's a slot machine. Ooh. It's not, so not not like um, in... Uh, Sponsored so, by Weatherspoon. <laughs> um, not like in uh, Mario 3. It's, it's not just the slot part where you get three power-ups. It's, a, it's the whole deal. Um, you can know, you can kind of press the buttons to like hold, um, to, to hold them. And yeah, like and it's got a little game where you can kind of press your luck to try and get um, some extra points or you lose them. And if you get to the top of that game, you can get extra life so you can get the passcode for the level. Um, I think that they spent... <laughs> probably quite a lot of the development effort in um, making a puggy I'm, I'm going to derail a little bit did you use ever like for, there was a Catholic social club in Greenock that we were really getting to quite a lot um, the, the, we went in the Loretta club and we went in the Regent club yep, and yeah. my dad would have played puggies quite a lot right. and I always saw it as like you, you know almost like a pinball table like it involved buttons and flashing lights so I saw it as this gaming type thing yeah, right. and I would watch him and try to figure out how it worked but to this day I can't really play a puggy I don't really understand oh, they all fall with the same can you play a puggy? Like, do, you, do you feel like you know how to play a puggy? the puggy plays you mate you don't play the puggy Basically, I'll tell you. Well, you're talking philosophy rather than how. No, I think I think he's. No, no, no. It's quite yeah, a very seventy percent of what it's got in it. So, if you put enough pounds in that puggy, the 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 mentality is that eventually it'll pay you back. But you've got to, you might need to put in a hundred before it'll ah. actually pay you back. It gives you it gives you the kind of uh, the illusion of control with ah. um, with all the extra buttons and bells and whistles. But at, at the it's end the of the day, thing, it's, it's going to pay out. You're still getting the same unless you fuck it up and press the wrong button. You'll get the same. Are you literally just trying to line up three fruits or three nah. uh, Peter Griffin's head nah. or whatever the case Them fruits know what they're going to land up. But, uh, but like, is that what you're trying to do? Because got, a lot yeah. of the machines have yeah, yeah, different yeah, I, I, bits and little ladders you can climb. and. Technically, that's what you're meant to do. But he'll tell you it's got a programme in it and it knows where it's going. Algorithms. I can't, I can't say this for sure, but I'm, I'm pretty certain it's kind of it knows what the what each thing's going to land on. But there is... Um, Household yeah, I've never, I never figured out how you can unlock the kind of special Side games and that, but I think people used to count the clicks. Right, he's put a pound in. Right, he's put a pound in. And he used to know how many clicks it was. I thought we start paying it. My dad walked into the region club on the twenty third of December. Right, this was way back in the day. Um, as a non-member at the time, because he wouldn't join back then because they wouldn't admit Protestants as members. So he was... Very religious podcast this week. He, um, <laughs> he took a kind of moral stand and was like, oh, nah, like I'll drink here because my dad's love drink here, but no chance. So he walked in, everybody knew him, but also they kind of knew him as a non-member. You know, he's waiting on somebody and he's drinking a half pint and he put 20 pence in the puggy and then won a hundred pounds. <laughs> um, the hundred pound coins. Well, Protestants had it again. Uh, I hope I put and 50 then, pence um, in the fucking plate at Mass. <laughs> oh, my, yeah, my dad probably overloads the plate at Mass, right? You need to worry about his Catholic card. He's still, but, pay, um, he's still paying it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and it was right before Christmas, so I was like, yo. He um, walked out and asked the kid to buy him the biggest goose. I was doing a Christmas carol, that didn't really work. Um, <laughs> but 
Anyway. Like Ruth. Like Ruth. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> We're both dead bats, right? Like, some land, some, some, land, some land. Uh, To bring us back to the final thoughts of Super Frog. Um, the probably thing was meant to be my final thought, but final, final thought. Um, <laughs> this um, this game um, kind of beat Shrek to the punch with its twist ending. <gasps> At the oh, end, I like, I'm a broker, so I like to hear uh, <laughs> any Shrek related media. Uh, um, at the end, you um, you rescue the, fr- the princess and um, Super Frog kisses the princess, expecting to be turned back to a prince, but actually she turns into a frog and she's raging. Fuck, right, so this is about like how Toby Fox copied uh, Chris Edgar and Sammy Salio. Are you saying Michael Myers ripped off Super Frog? Is what uh, you're saying? I think we can probably say that. Definitively. Uh, definitively, yeah, I think. Probably yeah. bought an Amiga away. When did he go after Wayne's World? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you want to hear another interesting strike fact that I found out on Twitter the other day? Always. No. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I. Um, <laughs> the composer for Shrek, or at least some of the soundtrack, was Harry Gregson Williams, and he also recorded the soundtrack for Metal Gear Solid. There's a song in the Shrek soundtrack, a chase scene, if you listen to it, it sounds almost identical to the Metal Gear Solid 2 theme. Nice. Can I, like, without derailing this bad boy any fucking further than we do, did anybody notice that in Shrek 1, there's, when they go to the castle town, there's a scene that looks uncannily the same as the castle from Zelda. Like, you know the hedge maze bit? But uh, Zelda. It's like the exact same thing. Uh, oh, sorry, Ocarina of Time. O-O-T. Forgetting I'm dealing with uh, the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't just mean Andy. Speak I mean all <laughs> uh, But anyway, right. So, I guess... Um, Silver Frog, mixed bag, pretty good. Um, mixed bag, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it doesn't control very well, that kind of ruined it for me, but I mean, I'll give it credit for, you know, what it is and its general charm. In, in terms of how Team 17 developed and eventually made fucking an absolute ripper of a game and fucking worms, anyway. Yeah, like no, they, 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 went, they done good. Yeah, they came good. Um, uh, Andy Mack yes. Dog I'm going to go ahead and tell you why I picked Guardian Heroes for yourself Carry on um, I I know you've got a little chub on for the Sega Saturn um, yes. my personal experience with the Saturn limited right admittedly okay. don't limited as in never had one never played one never had one played ports Um that time we played the GameCube version, the GameCube sequel to Nights in a Dream. Uh, maybe one of the only times I saw you get angry. Ah. Um, but anyway, just that angry, I, I, angry no, because of I, what they done. I, they done I, I, I no, because they made them fucking talk. <laughs> Nights like, doesn't fucking talk. As soon as they started talking, you got fucking pretty fucking the no worst yank accent you can imagine. I wouldn't say hit up, but. Um, Stressed out, maybe yeah. would be fair to say. But um <laughs> scandal. So um the Xbox 360 they brought out a port brand spanking new all the bells and whistles of Garvin Heroes. Um me and my wee brother, Aero, shout out to Aero, um would often play co-op beat 'em ups with a particular eye towards, you know, like the they brought out a port at the Dungeons and Dragons game, which came out on the arcade only. Um, things like that. We would play things that we hadn't played because we'd played to death. 
Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, blah, blah, blah. Um, a wee nostalgia trick for us. We would sit and fucking hammer cans and play through these things. Good times. And yes. Guardian Heroes. Fuck. In fact, I think even one time McCormick sat up and we all played it together. Yeah, um, we did. I had a fucking cracking time with Guardian Heroes always. Um, knew that thing on it. Um, I think maybe I knew that Andy would like the graphics a lot. Uh, mm. But um, just the fact that it was considered... Uh, you know, up there in terms of Saturn library, um, and that I knew in terms of your eyes, you would fucking, you would maybe fall in love with the sprites a wee bit. Um, but Andy, what did you think? Right, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is instead of just giving you a one, two word answer, I'm gonna do an improvisational rap at the top of his head. <laughs> so I'm. Right. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to talk about Garden Heroes for the next ten minutes. Right, and here we go. Right, Garden Heroes, when it first came out for the Saturn, I'd heard of it, believe it or not. I believe it was 1995, 1996. Yeah. Um, it was one of them games that, like a lot of Saturn games, you heard about it, you read about it in magazines and stuff like that. You saw we, you know, stuff in the daily, wee trailers here and there. Saturday morning TV that sometimes maybe show you 10, 15 seconds of a game. Oh, really? Yeah, but a wee talking head going, yeah, the game's good, the game's good, but, but, you know, like in Games Master, when they used to get these complete idiots like to review games, games, aye. I won't get some of these lassies in to play with my Guardian hero. Aye. I like controlling the dolphin, but it's a very, very hard game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, no games, about and, uh, games, games videos uh, kind of came quite a yeah. long way. <laughs> I'll give it three stars out of two. Right, I will right. give this game two joypads because uh, I couldn't get past level three. Uh, it was too hard. I really like this game because my daddy <laughs> took me to play it when I was about four. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, right, so Garden Heroes. <laughs> this is the first time I've, had, I've actually got to play the game. First impression was, oh, here we go, it's another Mega Man. And anybody that listened to the last episode will know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the music. It goes... Dun, 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 dun. But with the added excellence of a saxophone sample. There's a saxophone in this game. It's a lot of saxophone, there's a lot of kind of synthesizer. The music was done by uh, a guy who used to be a member of YMO, who was um, Yellow Magic Orchestra, which was kind of like Japan's first... Synth pop band, nice. I guess, are the, are the biggest one, and they are the band that's probably influenced games music more than anyone. Like, if, if you listen to their music from the 70s and early 80s, you'll hear pretty much every video game. That's cool as fuck. Massive, right? massive sax appeal. Massive sax appeal. Nice. So, anyways, I wish it was uh, something this podcast has not got. <laughs> uh, anyways, the first thing I seen was the big Neo Geo AVS esque sprites. Now, I was saying to Mick earlier on, as we were walking along uh, the streets of Scotland um, Glasgow to be particular I was saying to him uh, he was saying to me why do you like big sprites Andy what is it about big sprites and I said well it's not so much big sprites when it's certain so I, I would contend that it's not the size of the sprite it's what you do with it ah well you would you would but um, <laughs> you would <laughs> aye Way. but um, back in the 16 bit era a big sprite was quite a thing you know, you had to pay £600 for a Neo Geo to get the authentic arcade experience. Yeah. But um, you could buy a SNES and it could sort of do large sprites and scaling, but it would, I'm guessing the developers would have to really work hard 
uh, to get to the quality required to actually display such a thing. You're saying us getting those hot big arcade bad boys on screen far better, is it not? Well. It's got, it's got that, but it, it Mega Drive can't really do scaling very well, can it, and stuff like that? Um, no, it didn't really have those effects. Nah. I think that, um, yeah, Sega, for a while, they were kind of, they were all about their kind of, their arcade ports. Like, I think the Mega Drive, that was one of the original ideas that you could play yeah. stuff like Golden Axe and stuff you like that. You look at something like Strider, but it's, all, it's almost seamless, like, yeah. But it likes that. But I was saying to Mick earlier on, if I, let's just have a wee two minute chat on the differences between the SNES and the, and the Mega Drive, why not? Um, <clears throat> Road Rash, right? Yeah. It reminds me of Mode 7. But, um, but So Andy is going to go through games which I guess we've no, we talking about together in the last no, couple of hours. Well, we're, uh, we're, talk, we're talking about <laughs> hardware limitations and big sprites, okay? Okay. And it's led us, and it's led us down to... <laughs> it's led us down to... The <laughs> It's really down to the similarities between the cutting edge of the Mega Drive versus the cutting edge of the SNES. Right. right. Uh, so that was yeah. The SNES was a, it came a wee bit later. Um, one of the, it, it had a few different um, kind of graphics modes, and the, kind of one of the most famous ones being uh, Mode Seven, and that kind of allowed you to take like one one big two D sprite and kind of scale it and rotate I'll it. I'll tell you one thing. What I noticed playing Road Rash tonight, there is peaks and troughs. Um, so it's not. You don't get that in mode seven, do you? Uh, it's well, it's not. It's a kind of different technology with Road Rash. I don't. Uh, I can't claim to know exactly how it works, but it's kind of. It was like a fake three D. They kind of had. They had like each individual line of the road, and they kind of um, moved them up and down and left and right to give the illusion that you were. Oh, so it's not actually. It's not actually something well, that means because when I play Road Rash, the main character as a satanist on a one-man war against the police so i try and get a, a chain sounds and like I, me i just whip the police um every time i see them no but no i was also thinking um am i right here am i right in saying that when you're playing f-zero you're controlling the, sh- the track you're not controlling the vehicle um yeah you would be right um, back in the net because you're not you're not like you're not navigating a three D space. You're um you're yeah you're rotating this um, so this big this big level. Um, well, it's, in terms of the like in terms of how the graphics work, it is pretty much what it would be like monkey. It's crazy, yeah. it? it's crazy when you think about it. Take a step back and actually think about it. It's crazy. It's Let's crazy, man. Take a step forward into a crazy. realm that I like to call. Talk about your fucking game. Right. Uh, so let's <laughs> right. hear some of your thoughts so, on Guardian Heroes. Right, there we go. So I went off on a tangent, but Guardian Heroes is a side scrolling beat 'em up. Um, not too far removed from uh, the likes of uh, Golden Axe, uh, the likes of Streets of Rage. You know, in Golden Axe, right, you've got the full plane that you can walk up and down. So sometimes in Golden Axe or Streets of Rage, you need kind of test punch to make sure that you can actually punch what you're trying to that punch. You're on the same level. You're on the same yeah. level, right? Well. Garden uh, Heroes doesn't really operate that way. It's only got three planes. Oh, yeah. So there's three set planes, right? Enemies on each one, and you have to jump between the planes to sort of be in play. But the enemies can jump planes as well. So you could be at the front, the enemy will jump down here. If you see an enemy at the back, you can jump up there, and it obviously scales. Uh, this is the Saturn that is best. The Saturn was always, you know, designed. To play these types of games, um, you know, he's Neo Geo-esque, which is a, a term I'm going to copyright, <laughs> um, sprites, and uh, the sort of parallax scrolling backgrounds, 
perfect by the CD audio and stuff like that. You know, this was the whole sort of thing that the Saturn was going for before, obviously, PlayStation came in. You know, initiated the whole 3D revolution. Yeah, I think they, they kind of backed the, the wrong horse. What they, they thought everyone wanted was to be able to play the like Sega's latest and greatest arcade games yeah. on the Sega Saturn, but then PlayStation came along with these fully 3D sort of like yeah. incredible adventures, and then the yeah. Saturn just couldn't really handle them. Well, Sega always always done that. They always shot themselves in the foot. Think back to Mega CD. Man, the best game on that system is probably Sonic CD. It's just a, a it's what they've done on the Mega Drive with a bit of edge put onto it. I think that's what they're going for with the Saturn. They were looking to sort of bring the best games on the, the Mega Drive and sort of bring them to the next generation and just beef them up a bit. But they obviously had to compensate for the fact that the PlayStation was already fucking kicking all sorts of arse. So you've got a classic game about punching cunts. Aye. You can jump between three planes yep. and all obtain flat harm on other human beings. Pretty much. Did you experiment much with the different characters? Because rather than... There was I think I'd be right in saying that Rather than your typical fare, where you would have a slow, powerful guy, a Aye. fast, weak guy, and a middle-of-the-road guy, Aye. Uh, Guardian Heroes almost has classes. Like, there are, you can use magic and stuff like That's that. That's right, it's got RPG elements. I, I don't know if you got Very much into slight, that. Slight did RPG you, elements. Did you tend to stick with a fighter-type character and just bash through? Aye. Basically, it's got RPG elements. It's a very straightforward game. So it was sort of flings you in, right, and in this plot that just keeps getting thicker and thicker and thicker, and their characters <laughs> come at you. You fucking gold knight guy that pops out of the grave in level one. <laughs> uh, you can unlock him. Um, Is that a guy that does everything you say? That's a yes. skull, skeleton. Yeah, same, same guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Skeleton and uh, kind of golden yeah. armour. Aye. Um, He's alright, him. Or I think he might be player two sometimes when you just, just unlock him. Um, we was gonna probably set the right on all my factual inaccuracies that's out regarding heroes. I wonder um, I wonder why they, they only chose to, to do the three planes thing. I think possibly um they were looking at it as they wanted it to be physically aesthetically pleasing. I think well, it's, it it does get around that. Is thing. that a gameplay choice? Or? It gets around that thing that you said about you kind of you, you don't know always when you're on the same um, like y axis as their um, um, as the opponent's arcade axis. Arcade. Yes. Um, it, to me, it gives a a fucking weird feel, a bit like something like fucking Burger Time. Right. <laughs> right. Fucking, yeah, burger, 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 no, no, Burger Thing is not what I'm thinking of. I know what you're Tabber. Tabber, yeah. Same thing. Uh, you just fucking beep, 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 jump just from level to level to level, firing beers back at people. Bit of a few bells um, and missiles attached. <laughs> I think it's kind of like that. There's not much to the game, let's be honest. There's not much to Guardian Heroes. In terms of, like, um, you can kind of get by with button bashing and stuff, because I, I know there is, like, yeah. kind of. There's like Punch, Street Fighter. Kick, give me combo. I think the Street Fighter style spells. combos, but do you like do you need to use them? Do you, do you nah. get through really without them? Nah. There's well, you, you can, can get through a game. Them, how did you complete the game? Nah, the fuck. <laughs> the it's the very fuck. long. It's not about thirty levels each. each go plus. It's not linear either. You can actually. I think there's like five different ways you can complete the game. Aren't there? Uh, yeah. So I was, I well, and then actually one of them, in fairness, is game over. So. Aye, if you want to be a purist, he, he did get the the I'll dying just, ending. Uh, uh, I think I think what Guardian Heroes does do, and I've already said I covered this, is it showcases. It's a showcase on what the Saturn was meant to be, and what it's best at. And I think that if the Saturn focused more 
on that sort of graphic style um, and that sort of you know idea of bringing 2D forward and making it sort of two I wouldn't say 2.5D more 2D plus then I think that it might have had a possibly had a different you know sort of end I think um, and, and the way and the way that Nintendo sort of veered away from I think mainstream I think, kind of Xbox and I PlayStation think your would have been the same except I, I don't think know. it would have been a critical darling. I don't know, man. And then a commercial failure. If you bring out, yeah. which it was kind of half a if critical you, darling. If, 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 if you bring out Sonic Mania, right, for Saturn in nineteen ninety five, that changes the Saturn's fortunes completely. No, See, I don't think, I don't think at the time that's not what people wanted because people, people, people were always kind of chasing nah. the latest technology. Like. Even Sonic at the time, and he's fucking right. I mean, Sonic Adventure fucking upbreaked it. That's one of the things though that, that definitely killed it was um you know Sonic Extreme not coming out. The fact that this Saturn didn't have a mainline Sonic game, I think, really hurt and it. They tried to make 3D before 3D was I think Sonic Mania at the time would have got outsold by like Croc. Like people wanted them, people wanted something new. Seriously, did you get a PlayStation and think, oh God, where's Sonic? Are we going? I've got Alien Trilogy. I'm no, fucking, no. Like, you said I've got Crash Bandicoot. That's it. That, if you want to give an example, that's the interchangeable example. I don't know, but I had Alien Don't get me wrong, man. I like a bit of Crash Bandicoot. I had no, but that's, I, think that, I think that's kind of what we're, we're getting at, is that like people at the time, they wanted the 3D platformers, even though the 3D games, looking back at them, yeah, the early 3D games weren't really that good. They were the latest thing at the time of what people wanted. Oh, in, in the nah, in the Crash, Saturn. Is, Crash is better than the... Uh, Crash is good. Crash is good, right? Was, Crash, is, look an, look Crash is an exception. The worst Crash example, and Mario 64 are the exceptions. Worst example is Buzzby 3D. That's how bad it can get, right? Come on. See, see, do you remember a game called Pandemonium? Yes. Right, that was a sort of hybrid. Well, that's a good example of a two-point. Aye. In fact, was that also on the Saturn? That was on everything. Everything cross platform. Was it on the N64 as well? Aye, I'm pretty sure. Let me just double check that. I'm pretty sure there was a pandemonium for the N64. Let me just double check. But my point is, I sold a heavy fucking. I, mean, I, can't, I think that came preloaded into Windows PCs for a certain amount of time, didn't it? It wasn't Windows, yeah. Well, the only example I'm making, the only point I'm trying to make is Sonic would have still been in 1985. It was a proper, I mean, it was a proper Sonic team released game like Sonic Mania. 95, it's going to change the Saturn's yeah. point. When I put these sunglasses on, it means you stick to giving us at least like five minutes of Guardian Heroes chat. It's just a beat em up, man. It's just a beat em up you played. You don't think it's one of the best things no. that game? I'd rather play Golden Axe with you. I'd rather sit and play Golden Axe with you than play that again. Did you play Guardian Heroes with me? I don't like your free planes. I think it's restrictive. Elaborate, please. Like, I don't okay. like. Okay, now we've, we've got we've got a podcast. I think it's restrictive, right? When you're used to playing, I mean, this is a 16-bit game, and you're allowed the full plane. So why are you not allowed the full plane? What would you have gained by having that though? How would Plenty. that improve the gameplay? It would make it more like Goldnax, which is a standard bearer in my opinion. <laughs> um, standard Do you being think a that most games should have a pink creature? That you can ride that does tail whips. Like, yes. you want most beat em ups to, like, quite literally be Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a crime? Is that really so bad? Yeah. Nah, has it fuck? I think that's wanting every meal to be chips and curry sauce. Again? Is that bad? <laughs> what are your final thoughts on Guardian Heroes? Guardian Heroes would be it's well presented, good music, I like the saxophone. I like the fact it was on a Saturn because that's my jam. 
Uh, Gameplay-wise, I think it could have done without a free-playing thing, but I suppose that's a... I suppose that was a, you know, some something that the designers wanted to put in there for some reason that I can't fathom. So a good game, but it's not golden axe. Hey, what is up with why you picked the uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters for me, dog? Please. Aye. So um, as I said in, in last episode, I kind of went through a period of uh, emulating games, um, emulating the um, the Game Boy was the first console that I emulated. Um, everyone at that time loved Pokemon. I know Mick was a big Pokemon fan, um, and I uh, came across Dragon Warrior Monsters, being told it was quite similar to Pokemon. Um, and it's got some similarities to it. It's a kind of monster breeding thing. Some people may call it a, a bit of a cash in, but I, I played it at that time. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that you could have a, a party of monsters. I can enjoy that you could kind of breed them and create new ones. Um, I hadn't played it for a long time, so yeah, as um, as with Slayer, I wanted Mick to see if it kind of um, stood the test of time or if it was just me being clouded by nostalgia. So, um, yeah, what do you think? Unfortunately, unlike Slay, which was a fucking delight um, and that I, I'm still playing, uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters, I kind of, when I first started it, I was like, yes, uh, this is the type of thing I like. Uh, Again, yeah, and then after like the second or third time I'd gone to play it, I was like, oh fuck this again. Like, I I started to find it a chore. Why? Yeah, what, what about it made it a chore? One of the reasons was uh, I found myself comparing it unfavourably to Pokemon. Uh, when I was going through it, uh, I couldn't help but feel like, fuck, Pokemon did this better, Pokemon did that better. Um, I'm not as engaged as I was when I was playing Pokemon, which is quite a pathetic way to make your way through a game. You should try and be open-minded, but I think I, I think it was a Pokemon clone. I think it was Enix trying to get... Which, don't get me wrong, I'm not fucking pointing a finger at Enix and going like that, you shameless fucking no-good bastards <laughs> cashing in on this because everybody did. He'd be definitely Kana- Konami did uh, We Azure Dreams. Um, I don't know who published those fucking Digimon games, but, like, everybody had their hat in the ring with um, clones. So like, At- Atlas and the and the folk that made the um, Persona series and Shin Megami Tensei did uh, one called Devil Kids, which I never played, but I can imagine a Pokemon game, but those guys would have pretty cool. You had Azure Dreams, Devil Kids, Monster Rancher... Um, God, Dragon really? Warrior Monsters like so there was loads um, and at the time it came out so one of the things uh, that I constantly felt when I was uh, playing this was that if I was 10 years old I would have fucking been hooked if I had been a child I think I would have been able to put up with the flaws a lot more um, I think I would have had you know, like kind uh, of rose tinted specs because I would have been hard into monster collecting games in general. In fact, at the time, I did play some of the kind of lesser, fucking crappier Pokemon clones uh, and got really into those. Um, but playing it as a 29 year old man, I just found myself being kind of like, fuck this. Like, why do I need to grind? Why do I need to go and fight the next guy? Why do I need to... So I think um, something like Pokemon 
um, it seemed to me that it does a kind of better job of hiding the whole um, the sort of grind element of it. Um, Dragon Warrior Monsters, it kind of, in terms of the way it works, like you, you're not really in Pokemon. You, you get told you need to beat all the Pokemon, the gym masters, um, so you go from kind of town to town. Um, you beat one, so you get a wee bit of a, a wee bit of a kind of dungeon, a wee bit of story, mm. a wee town, um, a wee an, another gym leader. It kind of progresses that way. Um, so you, the, the grind stuff happens in between, and you almost don't know what's happening because you're getting a wee bit of story and you're it's getting like some variety. Like and Dragon right? Warrior Monsters, you just you basically it puts this card on the table. It's like you need to beat these um, the, all these challenges. You can see them right away in this one wee room where you fight the challenges, and then. All the the levels are like these kind of randomly generated dungeons. All look ex- exactly the same. Like you've, it's getting nothing to mask. They just the whole fighting, leveling up things. The, the pace, pretty much, yeah. dungeons are just the same for The pacing, same is, graphics, and they're kind of randomly generated like roguelike. The pacing is right. terrible. You are yes. trapped in the one hub world, and you walk into a teleporter, and then that puts you into like your place for like random battles and stuff like what that. What was the redeeming factor that you've obviously? chose this game for me because there must have been something about it you liked well yeah um, the the whole um, the whole kind of monster breeding element and stuff is quite cool the monsters are like really um, like nicely designed it's all your classic monsters for the Dragon Warrior series cool what's um, that is that like um, is that Dragon Quest and stuff like that yeah um, it was called Dragon Warrior over here I, think. Well, I can't mind it was Dragon Quest in, um, in Japan like and Dragon Warrior here and then it kind of unified into Dragon Quest um, but yeah, it kind of was that was like a predecessor to your Final Fantasies. It was the first kind of Japanese style RPG, really. About years this phase, this phase, eighties, late eighties, nineties. Uh, the first Dragon Warrior was um was yeah late eighties, I think. Cool. Man. Um, but yeah, like the kind of the fact that you could see these cool monsters and you could there was more even more monsters than Pokemon. You could breed them and get all sorts of cool new ones. That's kind of what I remember liking at the time, rather than just having to find one and and level up. You had a bit of control over who your party was. The plot of it is all over the place right so you play Pokemon admittedly Pokemon as a game has a fucking bare bones plot right you are a child who leaves home at the age of 10 uh, in order to conquer the Pokemon League uh, and beat all the Pokemon and collect them all and beat all the gym leaders and blah 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 like for no real reason other than because that's what you do because the entire world's economy revolves around Pokemon. <laughs> um, that, and, and Pokemon, it literally does. Um, and Dragon Warrior Monsters, you are a wee boy. Uh, actually, right, I didn't complete the game, but I'm going to guess the ending. You're a wee boy, and you're talking to your sister, um, and she goes, right, go to bed, you. If you stay up and walk about the house, the monsters will get you. And then you go to bed, and then the player takes control when you walk into the next room, and a guy called Warabu shows up, and he goes, "Who are you? Are you whatever the sister's name is? I'm gonna call her Jane. Uh, are you Jane?" And you go, "Nah." And he goes, "Right, well, I'm gonna get Jane." And Warabu drags Jane into a chest of drawers, <laughs> and then. And then you're like, oh, before you've had time to process that, a guy who looks exactly like Warabu, but is a slightly different colour, jumps out and goes, are you Jane? And you go, no. And he goes, all right, mate, I'm Warabu. I'm Warabu's <laughs> brother. And he's evil and Mona and Chester draws with me and we'll stop her. Which, for so me... So is it something that Ari said he does? 
it gave me well I I started viewing this game as a horror game <laughs> there's a Japanese game called the Nameless Game right where uh, it's a survival horror game but part of the mechanic of it is that everybody in your school also starts downloading this game and it's a retro like Famicom NES style RPG and you play it and it's all kind of glitchy and it plays like creepy 8-bit music and the world's really bare and you walk about and you talk to people and no one's quite right. Um, I've not played the Nameless game but I watched a playthrough of it with Leo and there was a couple of points in Dragon Warrior Monsters where I was like, ah, I'm playing the Nameless game. <laughs> this is a haunted cartridge. This is a haunted game. Um, which led to me making my own headcanon for the game, which is that a wee boy is coping with the death of his sister by <laughs> making a Pokemon-style fantasy game out of all his toys, which is also why you don't have a great variety of monsters. You have slime, and then there's like, 40 different versions of slime there's cyber slime there's red slime <laughs> there's gold slime it's, there's it's dragon warrior slime. right everyone, everyone loves slime right so that's that. then there's drake yeah. there's mecha drake <laughs> oh man so I, I think he had like a handful of different teddies that he used for different purposes in the game and also it's why the plot is so shit why you never really leave it one bit and why the king is the same guy as the armourer guy like times he's not the king but it kind of alludes to the fact that he is and the fact that like everything's trees all the different kingdoms are trees he's looking at his window and going like that yeah that's a kingdom how does the story (laughs) progress man if it's all in the same place you fight fight tournaments and then once you beat other tournaments then I'm guessing at the end you become the king dragon warrior monster tamer and um and then it, it turns out it was all a dream. Uh, another thing the game that, that made the game creepy for me is that the emulation thing that I was playing it on, I think fucked up the music a bit and was making it <laughs> play like half speed. Oh no! Nice. So it I was hear. it was like a kind of creepy pasta, like a Ben drowned type thing. Um, <laughs> I found Petscop. I found yeah, it, it was Petscop man. I I found it difficult to find the motivation to play it. Um, but um, I I can see what was like good about it as well like um, in terms of it wasn't just a Pokemon clone you didn't have your standard grind evolve grind evolve um, the powers are a bit more like a, like a Final Fantasy because you've got a party of monsters and you can have monsters that have got a bit of synergy with each other like yeah. one can be your healer and that sort of thing I kind of remember liking that about it um, yeah you don't have one monster out in the plane at the one time you have three at a time always yep. um, and they take turns each Um and the fact that you the breeding monsters were like you could turn into a fucking mad sort of fucking biologist and create your own sort of chimeras with fucking breeding this that and the next thing together to try and create the best monster that the breeding fucking aspect of it is definitely the most uh, yeah sounds uh, interesting thing about yeah it is is quite cool I remember I remember liking that at the time Um, but I mean going, going back to it I think the Brains is not that intuitive. Like you don't really, you kind of don't really know what you're you're going to get. You don't know in terms of how to like best kind of grow your your stats or your abilities. Um, you need to. It's one of those 
things from back in the day where you had to look at a, like game FAQs or a, ah, by, by the just... by the strategy guide to kind of understand yeah. how so it all you, worked. Did you choose it because obviously he's a teletech simulator fan? And yeah, yeah uh, he likes what, he likes the numbers and watching the numbers ah, drop. So I thought basically <laughs> cool. that one. Kind of. So right, okay. So are we just going to move on and see what we're doing next week then? Yes, uh, okay, so um, I'm going to start off by announcing the fact that my wee brother Aerol, Aaron Clockerty, will be a special guest on episode 4 of Dynamite and Eddie. Coming to save the show. Um, maybe <laughs> after episode 3, Aerol <laughs> save the show. Um, so, uh, and his game for Mr. McCormick will be... Tingles Rosie Rupeyland. Oh my god. Nintendo DS. Never? I am kind of aware of Tingles Rosie Rupeyland. How's that a retro game? That's so a retro game. 10 years old. Yep, right, okay. It's a game from our childhood. So, I did. Do you know who Tingle is? Me and Andy actually had a chat about Tingle games. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever played this willingly, like on my own, but I'm kind of fascinated to start playing it. It's so actually kind of. I'm, 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 I'm not prejudiced this shit. Um, the DS is I, retro, man. Want, Fuck me, what age am I? Uh, 30, 31. Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Andy Max came for me. Go on yourself. <laughs> Alright, okay. Uh, so, obviously, I'm a platformer guy, ain't I? So, I gave Mick Super Frog last yep. time. I couldn't really think of anything uh, for Mick last week. And I've, I've had sort of trouble with you today. Because, as I said, in, in Greenock, it's always the same yeah, games getting Definitely in the Mega Drive game era, we've played quite a lot of the same stuff. I consulted Mick about this one because obviously the Wacky is something you've already played. So I was having a wee swagger about the tune day and I went to CEX, picked up a couple of Sega Saturn games. Uh, as you've seen earlier on, I uh, picked up Sonic Garth, Clockwork Knight, which I got both for about £30, and I also picked up this wee bit of damage for you. Have you played that? Oft. Pugsy. Do you know what? I'm going to go full disclosure and point out that I've played Pugsy, but I haven't played it beyond, like, two levels. There you go. Um, me and McCormick fucked about with that a while. You say that, I did And I thought it was interesting. Um, and I'll play the shit out of this, man. Good there choice. I'm well, looking forward to that as well. That's my gift to you, man. Well... Okay. No worries, That's mate. game from my childhood as well, so interesting. So you enjoy that, and it, oh, listen, I hope you enjoy that. A bit, a bit different for you, a platformer. It's not an RPG. It's not well, teletext desk. So, Mac, what have you got for Andy this week? Um, so this originally wasn't going to be a, a physical cartridge, but um, Mick has quite kindly provided nice. it to me because it's part of his collection, which I didn't know. So um, I'm going to give you another Mega Drive. I think is a classic. Cool. Other people know it. Um, Kind of, it's a bit infamous for other reasons, but I um, was it Nitra? growing up. It's no. not Nitra, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> it maybe it maybe has a, a similar sort of appeal. <laughs> this would be the side-scrolling shooter. The cartridge might not actually be in the box. Like Zero wing. Oh, oh, your base had belonged to Andy Mac. Here, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, I would I wouldn't have picked this out if I seen it in a shop. I'm not one for shooters usually, but this has got such a cultural um, impact. I love sociology. And I love the impact this had on internet culture, and I will enjoy us thoroughly. Thank ah, you. Look forward to it. Um, and just to announce the game, I'll be getting my wee brother as nice. Secret of Mana 2 or uh, Second in Setsu 3, or Was whatever it? you want to call it. Wasn't for us, um, So, yeah, there we go. 
Okay, so <laughs> that was uh, an interesting episode of Dynamite and Eddie. So from all of this us here, fucking nightmare. Right, I can't wait. Uh, Here's a monologue, right? Today, we had a good day, alright? And we came and recorded this podcast at the end of a good day. The three of us are very good friends, um, and we've just got a bit Larry today, apart from Michael McCormick. <laughs> who's sober. Um, who's sober. So, if at any point during this podcast we seem a wee bit off, we do apologise. We're we'll back on form next week. Good but at least we still, at least we still came and done the podcast for you. So I hope that you can at least forgive us That's for some, selfless we are, right? some misgivings in this podcast. But, um, I'm away to enjoy Zero Wing, and I promise you I'll come back with a stellar review, um, as I'm sure these two boys will. And I'm going I'm to complete Pugsy um, and Google Andy Mac done a complete old knacks. Look for the truth, look for the truth. We'll be back next week. Um, on form, back on form, for a banter, for a fun the only way that Dynamite now they can because uh, I'll tell you something I'll tell you something I'll tell you something you'll be hard pressed to find a fucking podcast lass right Dynamite now they're signing off <laughs>